to help support this podcast and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com slash universe box. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. outside. Dynamite is nitroglycerin stabilized by clay. Nitroglycerin is the most dangerous and unstable explosive known to man. All right, we're not going to take any more of this stuff than we need because nitroglycerin is extremely temperamental. So we... We have a confession. We've never watched Lost. Now, we're tired of hearing about it, so we're finally watching the hit TV show for the first time. Come along with us to the island. And please stay close by because... We're, we're so lost. We need to stop that boat. We're also rewatching the classic ABC TV series Lost. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne Marie Simone. And we are here for both Lost and our season one finale. Anne Marie, are you excited? I am very excited. I, think, I thought this day would never come. I know. I, I mean, we've only been actively doing the podcast since December, but I believe the pilot we recorded for it... It was about a year ago. Yeah, it was about a year ago. So it took us almost a year to get through a season. So I hope you like this show because there's going to be a lot more years until we get done with Lost. Uh, but no, it, it, it's been a, a lot of fun, and we've been here every Thursday night... Ish. Ish. 8.30 p.m. EST, uh, talking with our wonderful chatters at live.universebox.com. Uh, tonight we have uh, Holly Mack and Michael Lucero in there. Hopefully a couple other people. Oh, Lucero Walt! Yes, uh, Lucero Walt! I wonder why you would say that. I don't understand. I have no idea. It sounds almost like a spoiler. Emery, why, why don't you Spoilers! tell them about our spoiler policy? Spoilers! My desk is messy! <laughs> uh, no. Um, okay, so normally in like re- real world where things are airing live... We love spoilers. Mm-hmm. We think they're fun. Uh-huh. However, in the land of Lost, Spoil where it up. anything and everything is out there times a trillion, mm-hmm. we don't want to know about it. So nope. don't tell us anything that's nope. beyond the episode that we are currently watching and discussing. Don't you dare. We'll don't have do pirates it. kidnap don't, you. We, oh, sh- <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. That's just crazy. That's crazy talk. But basically, <laughs> if we hit on something that you know strikes a chord, whether good or bad – don't necessarily confirm or deny. Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily say, oh, in season four, episode 12, you totally get the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I don't need that much specific. Maybe just be like, an answer is forthcoming. Yeah, you can be like, the others are totally into kids. But don't be like, a baby's too young for them. They need like a, a younger boy with potentially mutant powers that can, you know, alter reality for some reason. Poor Walt. I wonder if we'll ever find out the reason. I don't know. I have I no know. idea. I don't know because we're so lost. Mm-hmm. And uh, over in the chat room, I will just say that Holly Max 79 says a messy cluttered desk is said to be a sign of genius. Then I am absolutely brilliant. I believe Albert, Albert Einstein had a saying that was something like a messy desk or cluttered desk, uncluttered mind. Oh, well, unfortunately, that <laughs> right now is not the case. All right. Well, you you know what it's if your mind's cluttered it's important to bring some structure to the proceedings so why don't you go ahead and hit us up with the rhyming episode summary the raft team searches for a much needed savior <clears throat> dynamite acts <laughs> with expected behavior claire's baby is taken but not by the others sawyer would die given his druthers walt gets kidnapped ah, while the hatch combusts what lies beneath in the last parts of exodus exodus I feel like I said that last week, too. Oh, wait, I did. Emery, what'd you think? 
Um, I, what's next? Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I, I'm really excited to see what, what the resolution of all of the things, like all my points are questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. I guess that's the way a season finale should be. Yeah. You should always want more. My notes are like 90% question Question marks. mark, question you, mark, question everyone mark. Everyone just saw my messy handwriting too. So that's oh my funny. goodness. They're <laughs> going to be so shocked by your messy handwriting. Um, no, I mean, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I definitely caught me by surprise a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I I have questions. I have conundrums. Yeah, there was definitely a lot that happened. Well, we were talking about this before the show started, and there was a lot that happened, but at the same time, not a lot. Yes, there, there was like three stories that stuff happened during, mm-hmm. but not necessarily a lot of stuff. Yeah, there were like three stories that were completely like like self-contained almost stories. You know, you had uh, the, the baby boat. rescue, yeah. the boat, and the hatch thing. And, uh, you, you know, they all felt like their own episode almost, but mm-hmm. because each involves so many of the main characters and they were so separated, it felt like it was a very busy two episodes. Right. Uh, for sure. But uh, why don't we go ahead and get started talking about it? And I, I, I first uh, I wanted to talk about it because something kind of struck me. Um, you might say it, it was a revelation uh, right up at the top of the first episode. Kaplowy! And that's that really, at the end of the day, we all have a piece of arts on us. All of us. So all, wrong. all of us uh, losties have a piece of arts on so us. Wrong. Okay, so first off, you know, I've been predicting the past couple weeks since this character was introduced that he might be working with the others. Turns out I was wrong. I was kind of right about Rousseau. Kind of. Yeah, but I was completely wrong about arts because, I mean, obviously, well, I guess, I mean, I could technically be right, but he's dead anyway, so what does it matter? Um, you know, he, I, I still felt he offered a lot mm-hmm. in this. Uh, oh, absolutely. In this finale two-parter. He only made it through one part of it. He but. did. <laughs> he, he barely made it through one part. The, the most striking thing to me was the, the meta commentary he had about the island click when him and Hurley were sitting out there talking. My name is Arts. I speak for the trees. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, where basically he says, you know, we are all people too. All these other castaways that, you know, no one ever talks being about. paid as much as the other castaways. We're still people. Uh, you know, it's a very interesting take and one I wasn't necessarily expecting from this show this sort of sort of uh, the idea that the red shirts are self-aware and realize the main cast gets way more important stuff to do mm-hmm. and way more resources and way more fun relationships I sort of interpreted that actually as when it was since this is the finale so it had been on the air a little bit before it started um, or before they were done filming mm-hmm. Um that people were like, what about all these other people? Like, yeah. I can imagine, like, the chat rooms back in the day <laughs> going, but what about the 30 other people? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we got a little arts yeah, to sort of be like... A piece of arts. We got a piece of arts. Yeah. Uh, but, you no, know, you're right. He's definitely an audience-insertion character. Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like meant to echo the feedback the audience was presumably giving yeah. uh, during the original run. I, I, I oh, almost sorry. busted a gut when he mentioned Hurley hadn't lost any weight. But the thing is, we've already gotten that's that story. To me. Well, but we've already gotten that story sort of once, and he's like, "I got down a notch or two on my belt." Mm-hmm. It takes but was a- he telling the truth? What does Hurley have to lie about? 
I don't know. It's like happy-go-lucky Hurley. Yeah, he is. Uh, except except that one episode. Except that he's completely depressed and a wreck of a person because uh, something happened before yeah. he won the lottery. And then when he did win the lottery, right. bad luck. Bad luck. I, well, good luck for him. Bad luck for everyone else. But I, I, I'd like to think, if nothing else, this whole meta-commentary is meant to let us, the audience, know that they will be addressing the other castaways as we move forward. Mm. Uh, you know, the fleshing out they gave Arts over the past uh few episodes and particularly in this episode because we really didn't know that much about him before this episode and then basically before he goes kablawi uh you know we get his whole life story almost and you find out exactly what kind of person he is uh you know you, you understand the type of person he is even without a flashback so I, i'd consider it a good sign that it, this is kind of a commitment from the creators that they're going to address those other castaways more uh in season two that would be hopeful um let's see over in the chat room holly uh Let's see. Uh, Holly Mac says, "Arts exploding uh, was a huge you moment." I was shaking my head when he said not uh, not to wave the dynamite around. And what does he do? He just like with a single gesture, just like boom, boom, waves yeah. it just waves it around. Mm-hmm. My question was, how did he know how to handle dynamite? He was mm-hmm. a social studies teacher. Yeah. That's not that seems a little bit more of a science teacher type of thing. Well, obviously, he wasn't very good at it. This is true. Um, you know, I, I had a couple questions concerning the dynamite too. Like, okay. why didn't he tell them about nitroglycerin sweating before they went into the ship? I, yes. It seems like it would have been good info and why he was there in the first place. The entire reason they brought him was for these kinds of insights. And he's like, I'm just going to hang out here with my buddy Hurlsey. 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 And, uh, you know, you know he, he just didn't give them the proper information. Also, how, yeah. did, how did Rousseau get the dynamite out? Dude. Because the, the dynamite she had wasn't all sweaty, which it kind Ooh. of almost makes me think that maybe the Black Rock ship arrived around the same time she did. So maybe it hadn't had a chance to sweat yet and she grabbed it and took it down to her little cool cubby hole in the ground. Hmm. You know. We have many different thoughts on that then. And then last but not least, seriously, he took like the most nasty, messed up stick of dynamite in the box. Yeah. And then, you know, like I said, kills himself with a gesture. Uh, He was book smart, but world dumb, I Mm. think. Probably why his personal life was such a wreck as we heard. I know. And then my wife said, I didn't sign up for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Lucero Walt in the chat room says, uh, Michael Lucero, uh, that uh, it was definitely a shocking moment when he first saw it. And yeah. uh, then Holly Max 79 says, also love the Operation joke that Locke did to try and find, uh, try and lighten, the, lighten the, mood. the mood a little bit. That it was hilarious. Definitely. I loved that a yeah. lot. Like a lot, a lot. That was good stuff. But you know what? I, maybe I was mistaken to lead with arts because, I mean, he was kind of a small part of the episode he was a overall. bit part if you will i i mean the major thing that happened Kaplawi, the, the hatch went kaboom the hatch you want to talk hatch. about the hatch right i have issues with the hatch okay do i do so i feel like this whole exploding the hatch to save themselves thing mm-hmm. was an awful awful idea from the very beginning a we don't know what's in the hatch very true b isn't it pretty obvious that the hatch belongs to the others Mm-hmm. Do you think? Wouldn't you think that this thing that you haven't been able to open belongs to the people who seem to be running the island? I don't know. I don't know if I, I, I would How many that. groups of people do you think are on this island? At least two that they know of. That they know of. And, and some of them really didn't even know about the second one until very recently. Right. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. But they thought that they were... <sighs> So they 
thought they were going to take this day-long trip to get to the Black Rock, which Mm -hmm. obviously is close enough that they should have stumbled upon it by now, and do all this getting of the stuff and then walking back to the hatch that has to be a close enough distance to the caves that when they get back after dark to explode the hatch to scurry everyone into it. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to attack at dark. It was already dark before we exploded the hatch. This is where like the timing and the size of this island Mm -hmm. and the lack thereof of exploration is really driving me bonkers. Well, obviously, I, I will say they thought that they would be able to march there at a good pace and march back at a good pace. They didn't realize they were going to have, you know, the sticks explosion. of live dar- dynamite strapped dynamite <laughs> strapped to their backs, slowing them down. You know, plus yeah. the smoke monster and all that. Yeah, but that only took like three minutes. I, I guess that, that the part smoke did. monster only took like three minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fine, but they still thought. <clears throat> excuse me the black rock is supposedly only like a 90 minute hike mm-hmm. from the hatch are you kidding me that um boone and Locke never meandered away from the hatch for a little while like boone went off every time he got mad at Locke. Mm-hmm. did he not find the dark forest or whatever well yeah wait i forget what they call it it was like the dark realm or something, something like, that. like but that yeah i don't know maybe maybe I mean, it, it might might be a situation where it's the sort of area that kind of hides itself, hides itself a little bit, and maybe you have to know about it to get there. Because mm. I mean, this is obviously this isn't a natural natural island uh, they're on. I mean, as Rousseau says, uh, do, do, are we on the same island? Yeah, uh, sort of thing. You know, so I could totally see that being the case that maybe there's like some sort of like I'm not going to say a protection spell but something like that around it to keep it from being discovered unless you know it's there. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um. Let's see. Danielle said that they would be coming that night for the child, so probably the others would attack by, before they could get the hatch and everybody inside that hatch, especially since four of them and three of their strongest fighters were dealing with this. It seemed really weird that they wouldn't have just, you know, assumed that they were going to attack him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. Do you think that they, they're the strongest fighters or they're just the ones in sort of the de facto leadership positions? I mean, there might they be... Have a the guns there might be an mma fighter uh that we i'm pretty met sure yet. if we'd have met if there was an mma fighter maybe arts him. was arts on the was, side arts was not on an the MMA. side he was an mma fighter he was not an mma fighter he was at very best like the mexican wrestling with the weird funny masks mm-hmm. he was that guy yeah um also holly max 79 brings up a good point uh re boone wandering off and finding the black rock maybe he never had a chance to tell him maybe. oh no that's i think that's something he'd have found a way to tell him <laughs> he'd be like dude lock you got to come see this mm-hmm. um are exploring the island it seems like the island is shrinking unless you're on the raft where the island just keeps getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. so there was that apparently i rambled through all of my points without scrolling to see that i was rambling through all of my points <laughs> oh it's fine okay i uh, know you know what really struck me about the hatch when they blew it open though what how deep it was you're surprised by that no, I, I mean, I was expecting it to be a little deep underground, but I figured we were seeing like a decent amount of its area from what they exposed, from what they dug up. Hmm. I wasn't expecting it to go down that deep because just because it kind of came up in a cone right right near the hatch, I, I figured maybe it was like the cone and then maybe just like a little room underneath of it or something like that. But no, it, it seemed to go down probably 60, 70, 80 feet. And that's just what we saw. Yeah. Do you think, do you think there was some sort of connection? Yes. Between the hatch and the smoke monster, since yes. the smoke monster was Coming trying soon. to drag uh, Locke underground. Coming soon. Coming soon. Yeah. You have more on that later. I have more on that. Okay. Uh, so uh, let's see here. We'll get. We'll, there are several other things to talk about concerning the hatch. We're going to get there. 
Mm. We're going to get there. But I, I wanted to talk about something I kind of picked up on this episode, and I don't know if I, I ever saw it this way throughout the rest of the season, but looking back on it, I totally should have. The crash, crashing on the island for the castaways was a blessing. Living was a curse for all of them. Okay. Uh, you know, it's just something that kind of stuck out to me in this episode, especially in the flashbacks and everything, about how, how doomed all of our castaways were in their original lives. And that, first of all, uh, Jin was beholden to his father-in-law, mm-hmm. cursed to never be free from his mob life, as we see when yes. uh, Johnny make Hawaiian shirt uh, <laughs> <laughs> comes to him in the bathroom. Right. I, but but I, although I, I really loved how he was like, you'll never be free. And then they cut to Jin <laughs> on the raft, just like, ah. It's like, I'm free. I'm so free. Like, it was sort of like a Titanic moment. (laughs) Near, far, wherever you are. I'm the king of the world. But okay, so he he was not going to be happy in his life uh, moving forward. Uh, Hurley was hounded by the numbers, and he had bad luck all the way to the airport, up to and including being let on the plane, which was probably the ultimate bad luck. More coming on. But uh, then uh, Kate and Sawyer uh, were both outlaws. They Mm -hmm. were both kind of doomed by the law in some way. Locke was bad down to his chair and uh doomed to never fulfill his life's Anything. dream of being you know doing a walkabout being john Locke. Being john um Locke. and then uh, michael and walt were failing fast as a family michael mm-hmm. was trying to send them away uh more or less right after getting them and, and you know there are so many others i could go on and on but those are some really good examples i think landing on the island was the best thing that ever happened to any of them okay. even with you know all the drama the kidnapping uh the lack of Multiple protein kid- um each of our castaways has found a purpose on the island and uh, they've sort of evolved as people and become new people in a lot of ways and that was kind of the promise that was made in the first half of the season that you know everyone had a new life and you you can definitely tell that a lot of them have embraced that new life i mean you have people like charlie who might be falling back a little bit charlie uh, I i feel like if this group of people were rescued that their lives would be the worst for it at this point even with all the the craziness and the smoke monsters and the others and all that Hmm. and and, uh sun kind of brings this up when she's talking to claire in the caves uh in the episode in at because sun asks if they're being punished by fate if this is all a punishment by fate i don't think they are i think they're being saved by fate from a far worse punishment which was their lives before the island Okay. Just a thought. Just a thought. And uh, Michael Lucero in the chat room says, yeah, that's a huge theme in Lost. I think uh, that's the thing uh, you think might be the worst thing that could happen might actually turn out to be the best thing that could happen to. Yeah, and that's definitely where I kind of saw it going too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Okay, so you wanted to talk a bit about uh, the smoke monster. All right, smoke monster. Why does the smoke monster sound like a roller coaster going up the first big drop crossed with something from Jurassic Park? Yeah, it, it almost sounded like a steampunky clockwork kind of thing you know i thought that was very unusual too especially considering it seems completely made of smoke yeah yeah incorporeal like uh, it, it doesn't have a really fixed form or anything so why would it have machinery right which is actually that sort of leans into my question here is who set up this thing because if this is the security system it uh-huh. was had to be somewhat set up mm-hmm. by someone something some pirate and what exactly are its attack parameters what decides is it when you cross a threshold is it when you touch a certain tree Mm-hmm. Is it when somebody presses a button um, or flips a switch or steps on a rock? Like, yeah. what's what causes the smoke monster to, like, an attack? And what caused it to ignore John Locke until it didn't, uh, which I have more on coming up. Okay. Um, let's see. We may have asked this early in the season, but now that we know a little 
little bit more about the island, the same questions still exist with how does the same function? Mm-hmm. Um, and if this is a smoke monster from what we can see of it, how did it grab people and things? It's mm-hmm. smoke. It's mechanical sounding smoke. Like that's the part that's really getting me is it has such a mechanical – like does it have mechanical parts that we just didn't see? Mm-hmm. Because we never see it actually grab onto Locke. Yeah, we just – We just see Locke going. Yeah. And so that's why I was really <laughs> – and the chat room just keeps moving. Um, <laughs> let's see. Um, that's why I was really confused and hard to believe that that little thing that went poof was – the entire smoke monster mm-hmm. um what is it made of what are we supposed to assume that this is some sort of island mist and mm-hmm. again why does it sound like a roller coaster <laughs> i'm really gonna harp on that mm-hmm. yeah I, and as uh, michael lucero says in the chat room you know lots and lots of questions uh, yeah. from the smoke monster and uh yeah uh, like i said you know i i feel like it's somehow connected to the hatch maybe the hatch is i, I don't know maybe there's something down there that controls it or the control center or like it, it has it's like an intelligent being and it has a master down there or something else i don't know Hmm. I don't know. That's a, that's going to be a lot of this episode. What? I don't know what happened. What is it? I don't know. Um, that, that's going to be the theme of the episode and the main discussion, which we're going to get back to in just a minute. Now, we harp on this every week just because it's so darn important to us. It's very important to leave reviews for us on iTunes so other people can find the show. And we always make the promise, if you leave a review, we're going to read it on the show. And you know, coincidentally, this week, we have two reviews, one that's an update, and it's by our chat room. Yeah, the two people in our <laughs> chat room tonight both left reviews. So we're going to go ahead and read those now. I'll read Michael Lucero's first. He's not. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, he says, if you're a fan of Fox's Gotham or ABC's Once Upon a Time and you listen to podcasts, you probably already know Bill Meeks and Anne-Marie DeSimone. Uh, their chemistry and their ability to form a rapport with listeners is truly unique in this world of podcasting. Bill is a zany and enthusiastic personality, while Anne-Marie often serves as the voice of reason. <laughs> I imagine my excitement when I heard they'd started a podcast about Lost, my favorite show in all of television history. Lost is a show unlike any other with so many layers to peel back and so many mysteries that invite crazy head-spinning theories. It's the perfect show to watch and discuss. Bill and Anne-Marie have never seen any of it before, so listening to them react to each episode is like seeing Lost anew through fresh eyes. It's a unique perspective if you've ever seen Lost before, and it's an entertaining way of discovering a classic television series if you haven't. I've always wondered what it's like for showrunners and writers to read tweets or listen to feedback as each new episode airs when you know the unfolding story to come, Uh, but the viewers and the commenters don't. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've ever wondered that, then this is the podcast for you. Bill and Anne-Marie have the perfect energy to discuss this show. Uh, give it a listen. You won't regret it. As always, thank you, namaste, and good luck. Namaste. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you. And for your four and a half star review. No, I'm kidding. It's five star. Okay, you want to read um, Next Max? is from Holly Mac. A great lost podcast. Five stars. <laughs> um, I have been listening to podcasts by Bill and Anne-Marie since they did Greetings from Storybrooke and have followed them into the Gotham fandom. And now I'm re-experiencing Lost again. I watched the series when it first aired and haven't watched it since. Well, that's changed. It's fun going back and watching the show and hearing Bill and Amory's reactions and theories. Looking forward to more episodes. Keep up the great work, you two. 
Why, thank you then, Holly Mac. Thank you very much, Holly Mac. Very much appreciated. Very much. And, uh, you know, like we said, if you go over and leave a review on iTunes, we will read it on the show, Totes. whether you want us to or not. <gasps> Why don't we tell them about our Patreon? Hi, guys. We have this thing. It's called a Patreon over at patreon.com slash universe box. Yeah, it's basically a, a way you can sort of subscribe to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, All of everything we do. Everything we do. Uh, you, you get, you know, the podcast we do. I write some books. Anne-Marie does some blogging. It's all kind of funneled through here and you can help support it by making a, a monthly donation of whatever you feel comfortable making a dollar five dollars ten dollars a thousand dollars a thousand dollars a month we a, love you but we have all sorts of uh, great <laughs> rewards for it uh for one we do have our five dollar star patrons club which we'll get to in a minute uh but uh, you know there's all sorts of individual rewards based on the level of support you give us but we also have goal that we can reach like if we Get $200 a month, we'll do a bi-monthly uh, movie commentary. We've done these in the past, but unfortunately we dipped so mm-hmm. far below we had to yeah, if pull, get, pull in the reins on that one. If we get 500 bucks a month, we'll produce a video series to teach you everything we know about podcasting from the technological to the philosophical, and you'll get it for free. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know a bunch of other stuff all the way up to if we get $1,000 a month, we'll have a live Universe Box event here in Orlando live. for all of our podcast friends. Lots of fun stuff. Uh, but uh, you know, like I said, if you give $5 or more a month, you become a member of the $5 Star Patrons Club, which really are the coolest people on the planet. And this is the cool people club, guys. You know how, how they always say there's like a, a not a hatch, a uh, sort of a bunker in the mountains where mm. the president goes if there's oh. a world-ending disaster? These are the guys we're bringing in the bunker? Well, we're not bringing them in. They're the U.S. government in. will allow any member of the $5 Star Patrons Club into the bunker when the world ends. And we want to thank each of you individually tonight. Jason Ritter, Becca Baca, Angel, Kelsey, Monica Jones, Sage of Earth, Harry Seidler, Timothy Peters, Lisa Babick, uh, Karen J. Uh, Horlatcher, and Hope Molinax. Now, that, that list is probably going to be changing because we just switched over it the switched month. months, it switched months, but it hasn't processed yeah, yet. Yeah, it still hasn't finished processing. But, uh, you know, thank you so much thank for you, a $5 you, Star you, Patrons you, Club. Thank you, thank you, you will not die at the end of the world. If you want to not die at the end of the world, too, go to patreon.com slash universe box. And remember to think outside. Okay, uh, before we get back to our main discussion, uh, you know, it, we're, it's still going to be in the, the realm of Lost because Michael Lucero, our resident Lost expert, who you just heard a great review from, a very yes. glowing review. Glowing. Always calls in and lets us know his thoughts about the episode. Since this was two episodes, he gave us... Twice as much. Twice as much. So sit back and enjoy Michael Lucero. Take it away, Michael. Me? Well, I'm a man of faith. Do you really think all this is an accident? That we, a group of strangers gathered here to listen to a podcast, most of whom had never known each other before? Do you think we're listening to this show by coincidence? Especially this show. We were brought here for a reason. Each and every one of us. This podcast chose you too, Bill and Anne-Marie. It's destiny. Hey, Bill and Anne-Marie, it's Michael. Wow. (laughs) Such an amazing episode, right? Mm-hmm. Come on now, that was epic. Episodes. This episode literally starts and ends with a bang. How cool of a death scene was that for poor Dr. Arts? Oh, Dr. Uh, I also love the use of flashbacks in this episode as well, continuing the format from Exodus Part 1 of showing the characters in the Oceanic Airport before they boarded, and then seeing the plane take off at the very end. Again, another moment where the ma- the music just makes the scene so much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, that track is Oceanic 815, if you're looking at the soundtrack, by the nice. way. Uh, we really see in these stories 
how far our survivors have come uh, since the crash, especially with Michael and Walt, and even Locke with his inability to even form a full smile when he looks at Jack. And Charlie, wow, he did not come off looking good in that hotel room. Speaking of Charlie, we knew this was going to happen, right? Right? Oh, yeah. As soon as we found that drug plane, we knew it could only be a matter of time before Charlie found it, too. And that actually uh, brings up another point I have. I've said this before, but despite how much we know about all these characters in their past lives, uh, they are really still strangers to each other to some degree. Mm -hmm. Saeed has no idea that Charlie was a heroin addict. Otherwise, he wouldn't have stopped anywhere near that plane, Mm -hmm. let alone told him about what was inside. Exactly. And we also see Jen... At first I was like, Saeed! Saeed, no! And then you're like, oh, wait a second. He, he doesn't know because no they kept that secret. Only Secret Charli- secrets hurt someone. Yes, they do. Charlie. There's a rhyme there. Beginning to learn English. I think it's pretty clear that he understands most of what he hears, but just can't speak it very much. Uh, but now he's beginning to learn how to do just that, thanks to Sun's notebook, mm-hmm. uh, which is yet another reason I love that scene. And Jen giving up the watch to Michael is a great symbolic way to show that he's uh, ridding himself of the last shreds of his old life. And he's ready to be a new man, a better man. Uh, in contrast, Michael makes the observation that Sawyer is still, at least in some ways, guided by the same motivations he always always has been self-sabotage and self-loathing mm-hmm. i really love the dialogue that reveals this when sawyer replies that i ain't no hero mike speaking of michael uh what about that final raft scene how shocking was that did yeah, you all see shocking. that coming at all no. well now we've finally met a few more of the others besides just ethan uh, most of them on that boat were just background characters, but w- the the one with the beard, you will definitely see him. Again. I called him Blackbeard. Uh, and we know he now that like they have Dynasty. a boat. And that, by the way, is the extra context I mentioned before to the fact that Ethan came from the water when he killed Scott. Or was oh. that Steve? Uh, it's also ironic that if Michael had had his way, the others may not have found them at all. And now he's lost Walt. I I really hope Michael eventually gets him back. That scene of him crying, Walt, in the ocean in the dark is such an iconic scene for this show. And it's so tragic given uh, what's happened before in their storyline. But I think it was a masterful misdirection on the part of the writers. When Rousseau says the others were coming for the boy, we assumed, at least I assumed, Mm -hmm. that they meant Aaron. Although I'm sure you all probably guessed that plot twist beforehand. Uh, Speaking of Aaron, we finally get a name for Turniped. Oh, uh, Claire doesn't know what the name means, so I looked it up, and apparently it's Hebrew for lofty, exalted, or high mountain. I'm trying to think of how that might apply to his role in the show, but... Are you saying the baby's high? Did the baby get the sweet, sweet heroin? I really can't think of much, other than the fact that it underscores his importance of Claire's life that we learned about from the psychic way back and Raised by Another. So, the monster. We finally actually get to see it. I'm actually, to be honest, I'm kind of disappointed that this is something that was spoiled for y'all. Uh, you guys have been using the term smoke monster pretty much since the beginning, and I kind of yeah. hate that you knew that. Mm. Although it's probably always pretty inevitable. Like this smoke. show is over 10 years old. I uh, but I remember the first time I saw the smoke monster and realized it was a smoke monster and not just a monster. It was such a bizarre, surreal, and mystifying moment. We actually get a pretty small glimpse. I will say, I didn't necessarily know that it was just smoke. Mm-hmm. Because, again, you don't see it until this you episode. You thought it was part smoke, part monster. Uh, you know, or like the monster just like has drives or er, drives around. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he's mechanical anymore with like a puff of smoke around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he drives or that around it, in his Jetta. Drives around in his roller coaster <laughs> going up hills. So... I, 
as spoiled as we were, it was just like we've heard the term smoke monster. Yeah. But we didn't know what it meant. Or at least I didn't. Like, I mean, 90% of the people in this sh- who love the show, they're like, oh, I like Lost, the show about the smoke monster. Something like that, yeah. And the guy who played Racer X in the Speed Racer movie. So this time and next time uh, it appears, uh, you'll get Party to see of a five. lot more of it. And the graphics will be a lot much better, too. A lot much better. Uh, so what do we know about Excellent. the monster so far? Uh, let's recap. We know it can't get to people through banyan trees for some reason. Uh, we know it appears as a column of black smoke and that it can make a m- variety of mysterious sounds, at least mysterious in the sense that if you had to guess what smoke would sound like, it probably wouldn't be like any of the sounds that the monster makes. Hold on. It's the it's the black smoke? What do you mean? He just said it can make a column of black smoke. When we see it, isn't it sort of a purpley? Well, it's like blackish purple sort of but a column is pretty much what we've been seeing yeah, coming from like that a, weird fire it almost reminded me of like a, a serpent like a yeah mm-hmm. I feel like I missed something anyway continue uh, we also know it can travel through tunnels in the ground uh, and as I said before every time it appears we'll learn something new about it so mm. get ready for that in season 2 uh, also it's kind of interesting that we see black smoke in two different forms here the monster and uh, the other smoke beacon apparently if I had to just shut sure, up there's I'd some have significance the there but I'm not in entirely sure what it might be yes you yes are. you are i know i've gone on pretty long so far but i really want to finish up with a discussion of what i consider some of the most interesting moments and themes of the entire show the ones surrounding calling it right now jack and lock founding the ideas of science versus faith and destiny versus fate and free will boom especially the ones involving lock <laughs> Uh, but we also see these themes being explored by other characters, too. Uh, Sun, Shannon, and Claire in the caves talk about whether or not some power is guiding uh, the things that are happening to them and whether or not that power wants to punish them or even exists. I think it's interesting that Claire, who believes in things like astrology and horoscopes, is the one who seems to be denying the existence of such an entity. Uh, we also see these ideas being played with in Hurley's flashback and all the bad luck that he has. That kind of luck can't be merely coincidence can it and yet despite all the forces that seem to conspire to keep him off the plane he ends up on it and i think that's really interesting it's almost maybe not really a counterpoint to the idea of destiny Uh, i say almost because i think it's interesting that the lady at the gate says it's his lucky day what if she's (laughs) right what uh by the way i don't know if you caught all the numbers in this episode but they're all over the place especially in the hurley flashbacks yes the cheerleaders in the airport the numbers on the jerseys Ah, uh mm. the numbers on his rental uh rental car dashboard the amount he paid for that guy's wheelchair and even the gate numbers in the airport (laughs) uh but of course it's with Locke that we really see these themes being addressed most directly his conversations with jack here are some of my favorite lock moments uh he definitely comes off most strongly as a believer in this episode and he thinks that uh he thinks that hope is inside the hatch which uh was i think is a completely sincere answer despite hurley's completely unsatisfied reaction uh the way in which he goes towards the monster instead of away from it um now look I'm a man of faith myself, and I really admire Locke for his faith, but I do admit that maybe he has the tendency to not always place it in the right things. Mm -hmm. And I think this is an example of that. Although, look at the contrast between his odd and raptured expression in Walkabout when he first sees the monster and his expression here. 
they're completely different. I have a theory about this, but I can't really get into it without spoiling parts of season three. So later, I promise. Uh, but Locke calls Jack a man of science and himself a man of faith. He seems to be setting up a dichotomy here, a binary, if you will. Uh, but if you look closely at their conversation, I don't think that's exactly what's happening. He says that Jack believes in destiny. He just doesn't know it yet. And yet he calls Jack a man of science. This suggests to me, as I happen to believe personally myself, that science and faith are not necessarily mutually exclusive. And I also think it's neat that Locke has faith not only in the island and in their destiny, but also in Jack himself. Now, I think Locke's faith is definitely absolutely warranted, since a miracle did literally happen to him after all. But it's a complicated thing. He believes in the island, and rightfully so. But like I said, not everything on the island might be worthy of his trust. Uh, he's also led into some tragic decisions, uh, directions because of his faith, such as the tragedy of Boone's death. And here he calls that tragedy a sacrifice that the island demanded. But I, I think you can see in his expression and body language that even he isn't convinced of or satisfied with this terminology. He's grasping at straws, struggling to express what happened in a way he can understand. And Locke has a special connection with the island, a very unique connection. But there's still a ton of things he doesn't understand and doesn't know. To speak metaphorically, he may have a torch the other survivors don't have, but he's still groping in the dark as much as they are. Of course, that's why it's a matter of faith in the first place. It should be interesting to see where that faith takes him and what happens along the way. And finally, that cliffhanger. Wow. <laughs> what a way to end a season. Imagine having to wait an entire summer to find out what's inside the hatch. Nope. That's how frustrating it was for those of us who watched the show while it was still airing. The writers got so much flack for leaving that question unanswered and teasing it like that, but I actually think it's a pretty ballsy move. I respect it. Anyway, luckily for y'all, all you have to do is to find out what's in the hatch is push play on season two, episode one. Which but we have to wait. Which is appropriately titled... Man of Science, Man of Faith. I wonder what kind of themes they'll be exploring in that episode. <laughs> oh, and just a teaser. Season 2 features a couple of new characters, one of the actors of which will be very familiar to Anne-Marie. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, I would give this episode 1,223 out of 1,242 birds that sound like they're saying Hurley's name. As always, thank you, namaste, and good luck. Namaste! namaste. Look, he, he throws that in there, and it, why is it always the things I don't yeah, catch? He just lobs it over there. He's like, bloop! No, but thank you very much, Michael. And yes, it yes, was long, it was but yes, it was warranted because it is the finale. And also, we kept pausing it to talk, so yeah, yeah. So we made it, was it longer. five minutes longer than it should have been. Yeah. Uh, but we, we appreciated your cameo appearance as the dragon puppet. Definitely. I'm sorry for the puppet. Never be sorry for the puppet. I'm so I'm sorry. Okay. Well, I'm so, so sorry. Well, Michael has talked a lot about uh, this episode. Let's get back to talking about it ourselves. Okie dokie. Okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the island and John Locke. I, now, Locke seemed in the early parts of the season like he had the island's blessing. Mm -hmm. But it also, at the same time, it seems like this episode, that time is sailed. That time is gone. That time is no more. I was going to say, you wrote that, that, oh, that time is sailed. I was like, so it sailed to take Walt? Maybe. Uh, the smoke monster doesn't leave him alone anymore. It doesn't love him anymore. There's no love affair between John Locke and the smoke monster. That we know of. At least we don't know. Love. It could have been taking it down to his love layer. Could have been. Could have been. Little make-out sesh down underground. Oh, my goodness. Lock and smoke monster. Lock and smoke monster. Lock and smokey. Okay. Um, but it, it, it was... It, and, you know, as you noted, I, I thought it was also interest, interesting how the monster sounded very mechanical, like a clock's gears winding around yeah. or something. Maybe the island wanted Locke to, sh 
to know about the hatch, but now that he's close to opening it, the island isn't happy with him anymore. Mm-hmm. May- maybe uh, the island was the person who told Walt to tell Locke not to open it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why the numbers were there, too, so Hurley would try and stop him. Maybe that was like a last-ditch attempt by the island I'm to get still, Locke to stop. I'm still very curious about a couple episodes ago when we got the big light coming out of the hatch. Uh-huh. One would think that that was somebody mm-hmm. coming up the hatch. Yeah, yeah. He didn't wait around to see what it was. He mm-hmm. didn't, like... Well, for all we know, he laid there all night and then went back to do his confession on the beach in the morning after the light went out. Which, by the way, over in the chat room, we have some uh, shipping names for uh, Lock and the Monster. Monster. Monstock. I like Monstock. Monstock, for sure. Monstock. But, uh, you know, let's see here. Uh, So, you know, as is said... Locke is a man of faith, and he has faith in the island and what the island wants. But uh, maybe he is crazy, and maybe they actually, it's not the fact that he just has really strong faith that has something backing it up, but maybe they do have a lock, lock problem. problem. Yeah, because I mean, when he says Boone was a sacrifice the island demanded, yeah, he does sound a little bit nuts. If he said that, you know, in a court of law or while being, you know, uh, questioned by police or something like He'd that. He'd be behind the boss. Definitely, definitely. So I, I have some more thoughts on this coming up in a second but i definitely feel like the main conflict for season two is going to be science slash jack versus faith slash lock oh and seeing as how the first episode is the man of faith man of science i guess i think you're very right true. i very think you're true. very right but you want to talk about something <laughs> artistic no uh artful artful Art. you just want to sound like a pirate pirates all right let's throw this in all caps if i can say it there's all caps where did the other slash pirates get all of the technology go question i don't understand (laughs) so this group has an underground system of tunnels built with a very strong metal and glass they have a motorboat with an exceptionally bright light you are working under the assumption the hatch is theirs i am uh, okay it's somebody's it is it's somebody's and we saw them bust out a motorboat so there's that they have guns they created the smoke monster at least i'm led to believe that they have created the smoke monster because it sounds you know mechanical Mm -hmm. that means somebody built it (laughs) because Probably. That's how my middle school aged brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, if the others are all descendants of these sailors who crashed on this black cra- mm, crashed on the Black Rock, and it was a slave trade ship, that ship probably crashed there in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting these types of materials? Um, and if they did, they certainly wouldn't have been the quality to last about a hundred years or so. Yeah, especially with the with the shape the ship was in. Right. Like I did look up to see um like when slave trade from Mozambique and in the Pacific and all that and they said it ended in around the eighteen nineties, or at least, you know, that's mm-hmm. the last document or I don't know. Um but like how many other ships and planes have we crashed here? Because we know of two of each. Yeah. But there's no remnants of others. Mm-hmm. Well you you know there there was that thing earlier this season uh uh, in the Hurley episode where they were talking about how like there was this radio signal with the, yes. with the numbers and stuff. Maybe they got all this technology by broadcasting that out and drawing people in. But to, how did they to, broadcast it out then? Well, they had the radio tower and all that, remember? How do they? Where is, and that's why what, have we not gone what, to see the radio tower? That's what Rousseau took over to 
broadcast her message for the past 16 years, maybe before that 16 years happened, maybe, you know, they were broadcasting out these numbers so they could lure people in to take their tech. Maybe that's where they got the ship. Maybe that's where they got it. But how did they get the initial broadcast? I don't know. I mean, it could have been something like, I don't know, maybe the BBC wanted to broadcast from, you know, somewhere between Australia and Los Angeles. And so they, you know, sent out a ship with, you know, stuff for a radio broadcast Mm -hmm. tower. It got captured by pirates. I I mean, I'm going real deep down the speculation hatch here. Yeah, I'm just... But, uh, you know... Yeah, I'm just confused as to how they have all this awesome functioning technology. Mm Mm-hmm. There you go. It, it was, uh, although I will say that you know, is is you know, hopeful as it ended mm-hmm. last week with the the raft la- uh, launching off and yeah. everything's going to be okay. Yeah. My first thought was, if you run into a ship, I I was thinking like Somali pirates and things like that. That ship isn't necessarily going to be friendly, like right? Yeah, it, but they may not necessarily be friendly, but they probably would have taken them on board and made them pirate. Mm-hmm. Slightly better life than living on a raft. Very true. But- Very slightly. That didn't happen. <laughs> okay, so, you know, I, I want to circle back around to, to Locke and Jack again. And I want to talk a little Keep bit about Jack's overbearing pride. Uh, so, first of all, the first thing that made me kind of notice this is the fact that Jack gets really cranky about not being allowed to be the hero. Up to and including uh, his frustration grows to where he, he takes the dynamite away from Kate. Uh, and, you know, without makes, telling her. Without telling her. Uh, which is just crazy. And then, you know, he does the thing with, uh, with the fuse where he's like no i'll put it in. yeah because i have i'm jack and I, ha- I have to be the hero i think that our leader jack he has bought into his own hype way too much right i i he he thinks he knows better than anybody else on the island kate Locke, even the group as a whole he thinks that he should be the one in charge and he should be the one making all the decisions but he didn't want to be in charge but he didn't want to be in charge but he wants to be in charge nah. and now there's a lock problem because there's someone on the island who, who opposes him and is also probably more capable than him in a lot of ways and right. might have a better clue on what's going on on the island than he does. Right. And, you, you know, I just think that, you know, pride cometh before fall and as much as uh, there's this mounting conflict brewing with Locke, I feel like Jack is going to stumble when he finds out that maybe on the island, faith beats science. And I think Ooh. maybe that's how... That's going to be the fall that Jack takes, yeah. uh, you know, in this conflict. I could see that. And uh, Holly Mack of the 79 in the chat room says, where's the sna- stash of Snicker bars when you need them? Always a good question. Dude, I'd have taken care of those week mm. one. And uh, Lucero Wald thinks uh, that Locke wants to, or uh, Jack wants to keep control of the situation, uh, away from Locke in particular, mm-hmm. hence the I'll do it thing. He really, really, really doesn't trust Locke right now, is what Michael said. Okay, uh, you want to talk about Daniel the baby nap? Daniel Rousseau. Baby napper. Baby napper. Okay, so we find out that the mysterious claw marks on her arm came from Claire. Okay, this is a pretty big deal. Yeah, that was a pretty shocking revelation. It is, because does this mean that she was working with Ethan? Do you think she... Well, Ethan is the one who kidnapped Claire and Charlie, Mm -hmm. or did she take Claire (laughs) away from him when he was stringing up Charlie to the tree? Well, I don't don't know if it was right then, but the impression I got was that, yeah, somehow she got Claire away from them or something. Or maybe maybe Claire got got away from them herself and then Rousseau 
founder. See that? I believe more. Okay. I'll take that one. What does Danielle know about the hatch? She pretty obviously took the group to the Black Rock so that she could go back and take Claire's baby. Did mm-hmm. she even think that they had a chance of getting into it? Did she even care? I don't know. I think she just really was concerned about getting her baby back, who was not a baby. Her baby is 16 years old. Yeah. And for all we know... Yeah, I was going to say, I, they didn't seem very friendly with Walt. Like, I don't know if her kid's going to still I don't know if alive. her kid's going to be alive. Sacrificial lamb. And luckily, Michael Lucero in the chat room says, we'll get answers to all these questions in time. To all these questions and more. <laughs> um, let's see. She gives... Now, she does give up really easily when they catch her at the Black Smoke Fire. Like, mm-hmm. why did she expect them to be at the fire after dark if they were supposed to attack? This, this is like... Yeah. The timing thing is like a really big deal to me because, mm-hmm. you know... And she even said that the smoke was like five kilometers in, but they were very clearly on a beach. Well, maybe five kilometers in was on the other side of the island. Then it's not in. It's around the island. That's... Well, if you're on, you're on one side and you see black smoke on the other side, that's kind of in. Kind of. Especially um, if you don't know how big the island is. That's because nobody goes exploring, but they suddenly <laughs> know it's 90 minutes. Um, But no, she seemed to pretty easily give up. Like, she saw that she had failed. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, well, I think she she was definitely <laughs> expecting the others to swoop into the camp and take the baby. Yeah. I don't think she, she was... Anti- it never even entered her head that they were coming after Walt. No, not you at know? all. Do you, well, do that's you- because they took her baby a week after... It was born. Yeah, so they assumed. And so they, uh, I would assume as well. Why didn't mm-hmm. they come for Walt a month ago? You know what? That that leads perfectly oh, in, good. into my next point, which is Walt! Okay, so first off, I just have to say how heartbreaking it was for him to get taken just when him and Michael were finally connecting his father and son, especially after we see in the, the flashback, flashback that they, they were so not like... But we knew they weren't. Yeah, we knew they weren't, but we didn't know that it was Walt that had heard that Michael was trying to pawn him off on his mom i don't think he was necessarily trying to pawn him off he lives in like he didn't have the the stuff he didn't have the oh no i think he was totally trying to pawn him off because it was a little more than he thought it was going to be and you know i i think i think he was trying to he he wanted his son for years and years and years but when he got him and his son was a jerk he was like okay i'm good i'm done i'm done i've been living a pretty happy life here i guess uh so so i think i think he was ready to cut and run but why did the others want walt in particular why don't they want baby aaron why wasn't baby aaron good enough the magic I, i was wondering did they did they run some sort of test on Claire that proved that the baby wasn't worthy when they had Claire in their possession? Or did Rousseau's uh, taking Claire, kind of fighting with Claire or something, maybe Claire being separated from the others after being captured by the others somehow tainted her and the baby from whatever mm. purpose they're trying to accomplish? Interesting. Uh, you know, and it, it, it was as shocking a cliffhanger as I can possibly imagine, even more so than the hatch. Like, uh, Walt being taken, I thought was way more... Cool. Ah in the hatch yes uh you know the boat and all the equipment are destroyed Jen and sawyer or mia uh, under the ocean maybe they're 15 miles out from the island and michael has lost his kid how, how much darker can this show get right i mean that that the hatch was kind of like a ooh, look forward to next season this was like wow ah, things yeah. have gotten crazy right. well that's here. the thing is they threw that like bomb on top of the the raft after sawyer was shot 
fell in the water. Jin jumped in after him. Mm-hmm. Michael, for uh, I think he got into a fist fight with a dude and got knocked into the water. Like, yeah. and it, then the boat explodes. Like, mm-hmm. what? Because they threw a jar of uh, Granny's peach tea I on know, it. I know. I was trying to avoid that. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you wanted to wrap up talking a little bit more about the numbers, right? Hurley and the numbers. The numbers. I don't think I finished putting my point in, but I can make it good. <laughs> uh, let's see. <coughs> let's see. I think that this episode, we got to see a bit more of the power of the numbers. In Hurley's flashback, we see him have bad luck for the very first time since winning that lottery. Um, with the way this show works, it feels like the numbers were trying to protect him from getting on the plane and mm-hmm. thus getting into the accident. But at some point, the numbers give in and give him his good luck back. Mm-hmm. And I think that the good luck was them reopening the gate for him. Um, yeah. But I mean, he see, you know, he sees the numbers on the the hatch uh-huh. and starts freaking out and they literally just ignore him. Mm-hmm. They don't ask. Well, well, Locke, I don't think Kate and Jack were necessarily ignoring him, but Locke was like, oh crap, he's going to try and shut this down. I better do it now or I'm not uh... going to get the chance to. I, uh, Locke was def- not – I mean he, he was aware of what Hurley was doing. He wasn't ignoring him. He was responding to it. In a different way. Very extremely because he knew he was about to lose his opportunity to blow open this hatch. Right. And he really should have known better since Walt told him not to open the hatch. Mm. So you have that double. Um, what was I say? Oh, but with Hurley and his luck, shouldn't he have been the one carrying the dynamite? I mean he has good luck. Yeah. I, I mean I guess how it operated before the plane ride uh, for sure. But he's been fine since he's been on on the island very true he's very been fine true. there were there were in the numbers episode that we got like an instance where he was lucky and someone else wasn't but also at this at the same time from a practical standpoint with the kind of terrain they were traversing yeah. and everything you know maybe the least athletic guy on the island might not be the best why did he go that, on this track i think it was just because they needed Hurley. <laughs> I mean, they needed to put him somewhere in the show, and that made that was an area that made a lot of sense for him. I forget if there was a justification for it in part one. I forget. But, but, uh, that, but that like mm-hmm. kind of drove me nuts. It's like you're not really giving him much to do. Mm-hmm. He was there to be a sounding board for arts and, yeah. you know, to try and stop them from well, the hatch. You know, what I, I, Maybe that's what it was is because he knew about the hatch. If nothing else, though, I think it was important that he went because he's starting to see that not only does he have the connection to the numbers but that other people like kate have a connection to these numbers too mm-hmm. uh and you know i think that's something that's probably gonna get fleshed out more and more as we move on that he's gonna start to realize that there's all these connections to the numbers with all of the castaways and maybe that means something okay you know and I'll i buy that I also think uh, it's very interesting that the numbers were on the hatch, which makes me... I I mean, it's a foregone conclusion at this point that the hatch is related to the numbers somehow. Uh, Yeah. I just wonder how. uh, How and why. Yeah. Um, And then uh, Lucera Walt says in the chat room, Hurley complained about not being in the loop in past episodes. I think he just wants to... went along to feel included. Gotcha. I could definitely see that. And I mean, if there any rando on the island is going to get to go with the the other main cast members, it's going to be Hurley. Because I mean, everyone likes... he's really a rando. Everyone likes... Hurley. I, I'm just saying, not rando like he's Arched. completely random. Not like arts, uh, but you know, a, a rando in the sense that any random person from the from the castaway group. Okay, it's time to rate the episode, Anne Marie. Okay. Okay. So Anne Marie, out of using my arbitrary scale, out of 150 pieces of arts, how many pieces of arts do you give this episode? 145. 145. Why? So many things. So many things. Mm-hmm. But so many questions. Yes. It's like more questions than answers as we yes. were as we were, we were warned. We were warned. There's just so many questions. Mm-hmm. But that but they're like it's like in a good way. 
Yeah. So, how you about know, you? I'm going to give it 150 pieces of art because I it just it, it was very intense, very like moving forward. I was really glad that they kept the whole connection of the themed flashbacks going mm-hmm. throughout all three parts. I loved the flashbacks. We didn't even really touch on that too much. Mm-hmm. I thought they were beautiful. Definitely. I, I, I thought it was a really good episode, really intense, really dark, all sorts of things I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, the first time we watched it, I, was, I felt like I didn't feel like a lot happened. Happened, but the second time I was like, no, so much happened. Mm-hmm. Or, and, you know, it just took having seen it once and then going through it again. Oh, wait a second. There's so much here. Right. And you don't necessarily realize it the first time through because a lot of it's setups for reveals and things right. like that. Really good stuff. Uh, over in the chat room, uh, Lucero Walt says, I, I, I knew, I absolutely knew that was going to be your scale. That's why I didn't use it myself. 157. Uh, so he's you. above the scale. So uh, Holly Mac 79 also gives it 148 pieces of art. Nice. And uh, Michael Lucero also asked us, so what do you think? Are you going to keep watching the show? Of course. For sure. For when, sure. It, when it's the next uh, season break for, for one of our other shows, yeah, we will do it. Definitely. I, but between now and then, we're mm-hmm. definitely going to uh, – we're going to – what we're going to do, and we kind of proposed this several episodes back, we're going to do a spoiler party like we do for our, our fan cast that are actually airing. airing while the show's airing. Mm-hmm. And Michael Lucero, I know, has been working on some, some news stories for us to discuss. We'll probably – we might even have him on as a guest or something. We That'd might. Be kind of I think fun. we might have to do that. But uh, definitely, you know, that'll be next up in your feed. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, we'll probably do it sometime in the next few weeks-ish uh, because it won't take much prep. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just sit down and do it one night. And uh, it, it'll be good. But we'd love to hear your rating of our ratings of season one if you've watched the show before mm-hmm. and your speculation for season two if you haven't. Mm-hmm. You can email us, we're so lost podcast at gmail.com. You can hit up our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash we're so lost. The Twitter's at we're so lost. And the voicemail number is 424. 424- 2742352 again that's 4242742352 now Amory where can people find you online you can find me on twitter at amd Simone. it says so right there if you're watching there or you can check out my blog crunchycrafty.com as for me you can follow me on twitter at bill meeks you can follow all of the podcasts we do including the new universe box new universe box at universebox.com and uh besides that what you gonna pimp this week i i am going to uh jump into the water and you can follow me there because the mm-hmm. boat's about to explode Anne-Marie, can you hear me? Anne-Marie, I don't know if you can. I, I, And I can't see you either because the explosion blew up my eyes. I guess at the end of the day, we're so lost. Preview. 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 Good to go. Ready? Yep.